And we are back for part two of Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. It's part two of our Shadows of the Ripper. Technically, if you're listening now and you don't know what the fuck is going on, (laughs) we've decided that we're going to split our episodes into two parts. So on Monday, we do the intro, the hellos and everything, you know, we do the horror shots, we do our news, and then we do our grave plot segment. And then on Thursdays in the morning, we'll be doing our flesh and potatoes segment dedicated specifically to the theme of the topic. So technically, the first part is our pregame for the Shadow of the Ripper. So now we're going to jump into the flesh and potatoes, and we're going to do that right now. Okay, now we're back, and we hope you guys are having a great Thursday so far, and if you haven't already, please share the shit out of this so that we can become big and famous and uh, give you more free shit, really. Yeah. If you ever feel, by the way, don't like asking for stuff, but we do have a donate button on our longlivethevoid.com website. If you ever feel like donating to that, we will give you a shout out on the cast, uh, just make sure you leave a note in the donation of what name you are and maybe a message that you want to give to us. And we'll read it aloud to thank you generously for your donation. So thank you for that if you do. But if not, no worries. Keep listening. We're going to do this anyway. But I would love to get a hooker. So <laughs> sorry, Christina. <laughs> so let's go ahead and step into the flesh and potatoes of Shadow of the Ripper. Now, we decided that we were going to pick a few movies this week that we thought were kind of along the lines of The Ripper. Now, some of these movies aren't necessarily horror movies, but they are Ripper-influenced movies. Right. So they either deal with Jack the Ripper or sort of an offshoot of Jack the Ripper. One of the first movies that we're going to be talking about is Time After Time. This movie came out in 1979, And to give you guys an idea what the synopsis is, H.G. Wells, the famous author, pursues Jack the Ripper to the 20th century when the serial murderer uses the future writer's time machine to escape his time period. Which is cool. It's kind of like this, like, uh, mashup of the two. Right. And I don't know 
exactly, I looked into it a little bit as to why this started, but it was just something different. And there is a few books and novels based off of uh, some other stuff that we're going to be talking about in the future. But this one, I couldn't pinpoint it. I looked, I did a lot of research for it, but the movie is directed by and written by Nicholas Meyer, who has also done movies like Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, four, the Star Trek four and five. So the original Star Trek movies, he also did a nuclear Holocaust sort of movie called the day after, which I thought was really scary as a kid. Mm. The movie stars Malcolm McDowell, who is, if you already don't know a clockwork orange, she was one of the main characters named Alex, like my own. Uh, he also was in Rob Zombie's Halloween and many, 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 many more. I mean, Malcolm McDowell's a pretty big name. You should probably know him. Also, it stars Mary Steenburgen, who was in Step Brothers, the last man on Earth TV show that is currently running, and Back to the Future 3. She really loves time travelers, apparently. Oh, dude. And we'll get into that (laughs) more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I digress. (laughs) But Mary Steenburgen has a fetish for fucking time travelers. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. David Warner also plays in this. He's kind of the antagonist. He plays Jack the Ripper. He was in Waxwork, The Omen, Time Bandits, Tron, The Man with Two Brains, TMNT 2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. He was also in a few other Star Trek films too. So it's like kind of coming full circle. He was a yeah. character. He was an actor that the director obviously liked. Right. But yeah, what did you think of this movie in particular? Had you bes- had you seen it before? No, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Okay. Um, at first I really didn't know what to think because it is like a it is like a 70s film, but it was really really good. Everything about the characters, everything was just felt like it was very organic. It didn't feel like it was forced. It felt very natural. Did you see the first Time Machine? Did you see the movie The Time Machine? I did. Back in the day that was written by H.G. Wells? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So it, it's very similar in the beginning, almost a little bit. You a know, little bit. Like all the like the uh, gentlemen are sitting around having a man party of some sort, and they talk about the time machine, and then H.G. Wells goes off. Well, in this one, it's a little different. H.G. Wells is talking to all of his gentleman friends, and one of them happens to be Jack the Ripper. Right. And then he steals the time machine, and it gets sent back to him, and then he goes chasing after him in the future. It's an older movie, but I liked it too, man. Yeah, it was good. And it's so funny because when Christina watched it with me, and she was like, fine, I'll watch it, you know, like, no big deal. She's like, haven't I seen this before? And I was like, probably. I get that from my wife all the time. I'm like, no, you haven't seen it yet. (laughs) She did see it, though. Uh, because I think we watched it like a year ago. She was like, oh, was yeah? it like a year ago? I was like, yeah, I think so. It was about a year ago today. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I love it's, it's like this nice mix of two different stories. Right. It's so original by taking two really big stories and mashing them into one. And I think it does a really good job. And it's I, a seamless job, yeah. It really feels like it f- would fit in today's, I don't know, storytelling. Oh, it would. It would, and it'd probably be told a little bit better. Well, I don't know. Now, to give you an idea, ABC, the TV show here in America, actually has a new show called Time After Time. Oh, no. And it is literally an updated version. I found this out while doing my research. Okay. came out in March, March 5th. Oh, man. So it's been out for weeks now. I haven't watched it yet. Christina wanted me to watch the first episode so I could tell you guys about this. 
but I didn't have the time. We were kind of pressed for time because uh, my buddy's in town and I wanted to hang out with him. So we're trying to get this all done. But uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I definitely want to check it out. So I'm going to be watching it because I want to see what it's like and how it compares to the original movie. Right. So it should be interesting to see. It looks a little, you know, teenager, you know, fluff-esque. Hopefully it doesn't take place in It's not a teenager movie, but I'm just saying it like has that network feel to it a tinny bop kind of feel but it has some cool like effects and stuff in it so it's like they have a budget a little bit more of a budget but i watched the trailer and we'll post the link below to the trailer for you guys so you can check that out um anything else that you want to mention that uh, kind of your first thoughts about this well my first thoughts about the movie like i said like i didn't know what to expect and i kind of thought i was going to be into a long dreary ride where it was just kind of going to be like all right like let's get this over with is it done is it over but I actually found myself just, I sat down and I was like, oh, it's over already? Damn. Right. <laughs> like, I could have done a little bit more of that. I, I don't know what it is, but I think I'm just, I, I don't know. There's something very kid-like about wondering about time travel. Right. And I think it kind of like reaches to all of us because in the same sense that people are addicted to horror in the way that they're dealing with their own uh, mortality. Right. Right. What would it be like to be able to go back, go forward, whatever, in a time machine? And then to add, like, an element of sending a fucking murderer to the future. Yeah. Which, you know, he I guess he's a serial killer. Right. No, he's he not is. the biggest serial killer, but he's got, he's got, he was one of the big first ones that got a lot of notoriety. Right. I think he killed, like, eight people originally, like. Was it eight total? I think it was, yeah. So it's just I just think it's really cool that they took this little spin with like HG Wells and mixed it together somehow and it's it's just fascinating to me and I, it's like one of my favorite kid movies because I remember watching it and there's some actual gore in this nothing too mer- fantastic yeah no like most of the camera work is turns away right when the when the kills and shit happen but it is kind of dark and there's some like deep thoughts to this movie like they talk about like. I don't want to ruin it. We'll get into our favorite things, and I'll divulge more of that. Uh, but the characters seem pretty good together. Yeah. I thought, oh, dude. I thought Mary Sturgis, or uh, excuse me, Steenbergen, did a really good job. She's really oddball. She is. She's like the epitome of, like, empowered woman. Yeah, she kind of brought that whole spin of, like, women's rights and, you know, that whole thing. Kind of, yeah. And it was different because, you know, H.G. Wells, he's from, like, the 18, 1888 or whatever. Right. And it's like, you kind of think to yourself, like, he shouldn't be okay with it, but he's just one of those intelligent guys that just likes socialism and is open to pretty much everything and women being in control. He's just one of those guys, you know? One love. Right. <laughs> what do you think uh, Malcolm McDowell did? Did you think he did a good job in this movie? And he, yeah, the guy who played Ripper? No, yeah. no, no. Malcolm McDowell, dude. Okay, the guy who played H.G. Wells. Yeah, I'm like, how do you not know? Yeah, uh, he was good. Did he look familiar to you when you watched this? He didn't. Really? No. Do you know who he is in Uh -uh. Clockwork Orange? Is he the main character? He is? Yes, he's also Dr. Loomis in the new Halloween movies. Oh, shit, now that you say that. That's Malcolm McDowell, bro. Holy schnapples. You didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hate you now. Oh, wow. All of our fans just instantly went, delete. Delete. I don't like these guys. 
So yeah, he did a great job, and I, I loved his dialogue. And yeah. he played that that character so well. And they both did. The guy who played Jack was also really good. Oh, and, dude, he's a fucking established actor. Right. And, like, he's probably even more established than Malcolm McDowell, obviously. Oh, obviously, yeah. But, yeah, their their dialogue, that they, they played off each other very, very well. Yeah, because H.G. Wells plays sort of the, you know, innocent sort of, uh, I don't know, trusting kind of guy. Right. And it's, just, it's a nice tension between them because... You got on one side, you know, H.G. Wells, who's trying to intelligently reach out to this guy and, like, coax him to come back to the past. Because essentially, guys, what happens is the police come, or the Scotland Yard, comes to H.G. Wells' house, and they find out, they find a bag that one of his guests had. He was like, oh, that's Dr. Blah, 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 the Ripper. There was, like, bloody gloves and his bloody stuff, and he, like, ran into the basement where the time machine was and disappeared. But right before this happens, H.G. Wells tells him what he's been building, where he wants to go. And they're like, well, where do you want to go? And someone was like, oh, we should go back to Cleopatra. You know, like, and he's like, no, I want to go into the future. You know, where else would you want to go? Right. He's like, I want to see a utopia, a place where people all get along. You know? (laughs) But yeah, he goes into the basement, steals the time machine, but he's explaining, H.G. Wells has been explaining that there's two components to this time machine that are very important. One is the time crystal that sticks in the side. It is essentially the engine to the time machine because this engine runs off of solar power, by the way, uh, which they talk about that. And I think that was like a new thing right. in, the, in, in 79, solar power. So it was kind of edgy for science a little bit and energy. But he also talks about this key, and he said, I've got a safety feature where if the if I'm holding the key, it'll be returned to where it originally left. And that way, no one can steal the time machine because I always have the key. And just the passenger right. would be... So when Jack the Ripper steps into this time machine, he's able to go to the future, but the time machine comes back. Right. So he can't steal it. And it goes into the future where this they're in a museum of H.G. Wells. It's an exhibit where they have his time machine there where they found it recently within the past two months or something like that, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And they have, like, all of his, like, writing stuff, and it's, like, this huge exhibit for fucking H.G. Wells, and it just so happens that that's where it is at this time. So I guess it just shows up where the time machine is in that time space. Right. So I don't know. But it's interesting because then he goes into the future to chase after him. Jack the Ripper, he tracks him down uh, by going to all these different banks to trade in some of his... um, Pounds. Yeah, his pounds, which is worth shit. (laughs) Back then, anyways. Yeah, he's like, you should take this money to like a collector or something like that because they'd probably give you a lot more money for it. He's like, oh, no, that's fine, you know. Trades in his jewels. This is worth like over $6,000. And then the guy's like, I need an ID. And he's like, I don't have an ID. And it's he wouldn't like, give it to him. Right. But he meets Mary Steenbergen, who he- happens to work as a, in a bank who trades currency. And they instantly kind of fall in love with H.G. Wells and her. But Jack the Ripper went to her before. And that's how he tracks down Jack the Ripper on some of the trivia on this. It's kind of interesting stuff. Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenbergen actually fell in love after this movie. No shit. And got married. Wow. 
And the funny thing is, is that the director wanted to keep them apart so that it was as authentic as possible, their first meeting. Okay. But they actually truly fell in love in real life. That's crazy cool. Yeah, it says um, they were married from September 29th, 1980, which was directly after the film released, to October 1st of 1990. So they were married for like 10 years, almost. He had no idea that they would actually truly fall in love. They apparently got divorced, you know. It wasn't all hunky-dory. But I just thought it was kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, it definitely is. Screen love. I mean, say what you will, that last that lasted longer than most Hollywood relationships did in like today's era. Probably. But yeah, but but, but divorce is like a common thing now. Right. I realized that when like I don't know, 8 10 years ago there was like the divorce store here in town. Oh. It's like pull on up and get a divorce, you know, like would you, I'll have the number five, so divorce with alimony, the house, and, and car. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'll have the number five, please. You know, it's like, <laughs> fucking world, man. I'm not saying, like, I, I mean, I'm not married, but... Yet. Well, I don't really feel like it's necessary. Like, I know I, you know, I love Christina. I want to be with her. And I'm kind of somewhere inside worry. By the just the labeling of it. Okay. I don't know why. I know it sounds stupid. You get over it real quick. Well, we'll see. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Funny thing about Malcolm McDowell, while he was doing this movie, or before he did this movie, he actually listened to real recordings of H.G. Wells to kind of prepare for the role. And apparently, Wells's voice was really high-pitched with a Cockney accented, so he decided not to... Do the whole Cockney thing. Yeah. I write books and I don't sound right. You know, like, I don't know. Like, it's real shrill. Right. Kind of makes sense, right? Like, because I think his role as H.G. Wells is just so, like, kind of how you picture him. It's, it, that's exactly how I was thinking, dude. That's exactly what I thought when yeah. I saw him. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, oh! Made a sign machine. We all go right. <laughs> I don't know if that's Cockney or not, but uh, it's definitely me being a cock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely liked his role. Like I thought he did a really good acting job. Yeah, for sure. Actually, in the movie, they don't really ever refer to the name of the time machine, but it's actually called the Argo. Really? And it's it's on the front of it. You see it in the movie. It says the Argo, or just Argo. It was named Argo in the book, but he never references it as Argo. Just calls it the machine or the time machine. Right. That's it. You know the song, time after time, <laughs> yeah. and you love, and you feel, and you want follow. Time after time. <laughs> Cindy Lauper, right? Yeah. Did you know that that song was actually based off this movie? I did not. Well, the story isn't, like, just the name. She literally flipped through a TV guide. Oh, she's like, what's on the name? Hmm. Yeah, what's the name for a song? And she saw Time After Time and made it a hit. And then just decided, well, we got to fit Time After Time into the fucking thong somehow now, too. <laughs> but, I, but didn't they use it in, like, something else? What, Time After Time? It wasn't in Goonies. Definitely an 80s flick. I just can't narrow it down. I, I don't can't. Know. I thought it was in a movie, but I just can't think of it right now. Right. 
Anyway, you know who else was in this movie, though? They got their first starring role. Who? Corey Feldman. Where was he? He was the little kid when they show up in the future. Oh, that was looking at the exhibits like, Mommy, there's a drunk man inside the machine. Yeah. Oh, shit. Dude. You didn't recognize him? No. Yeah, I totally knew right away. I was like, that's fucking Corey Feldman. Wow, dude, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, just because he's not doing a like break dance of some sort of like Michael Jackson. Ee! Ah, <laughs> his problem Shemo! is. <laughs> Too many yes men in his life. You think? I do. A good friend would not let his other friend go out and embarrass himself. But a good like friend that. wouldn't want their friend to be unhappy, right? Especially, you know he has to have a couple of friends in the industry that said, yeah, go ahead and do you it. You know what? I don't know his inner workings. I give him mad props for doing whatever the fuck he wants, whether people like it or not. Because there are so many haters in this world that will put down your shit, no matter if it's good or bad. So right. it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It really is. So I don't know. Maybe he does. I have said what you said. I think I was the one that told you that. That he had too many yes men around him. I've I thought that since I've seen the video, but you may have told me that. But it's been my kind of It comes across that way. It. I don't necessarily like it. I'm not trying to defend the guy. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, on one side of the coin, it's like, oh, come on, dude. Please stop. Right. You know what I mean? But then in the same respect, I'm like, well, I don't have to watch it. Yeah. It doesn't like, have to be for me. It's like Bieber can't exist even though I don't like his shit. Right. Because there's plenty of other people that like Bieber. But in the in that same sense, there is there is just no there's no substance to his music. Ah, we're we're really going off subject here. Yeah, yeah. We, okay, <laughs> let's move forward. All right. Fuck you, Corey. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I Corey. I, I just give him props because you know how hard it's got to be that everybody's telling him it sucks. Right. And he's just trying to be happy. Like, he's trying anything to do to rekindle his career. And maybe he's just like, a, I don't want to be the guy that, like, pushes him over the edge. He could be just be such a control freak that that's just the way he wants to do it. Right. And everybody else is just tired of just trying to argue with him and just let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> All right. Well... Another little factoid. Uh, in the movie, when Wells, H.G. Wells goes to the police, remember he runs the police to tell them that Jack the Ripper is on the loose? Right. He tells the inspector Gregson, he says that he's Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> which is so stupid. It's right. like, why would you Why would you just like say that? Like Maybe he didn't know because it was before Sherlock Holmes written anything or there were stories about it. Yeah. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I think it was, that, that wrote uh, Sherlock Holmes. But apparently, Gregson is a character from one of the Sherlock stories. Oh, is it? It's called the 7% something or another. Okay. But it was one of the only stories that, that Sir Arthur Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle didn't write. That happens to be one of the best ones that he didn't write of Sherlock Holmes. But it was just kind of cool. Like, they married the two. Yeah. In that little scene. Come together. Um, there was a deleted scene in this movie where Malcolm McDowell, H.G. Wells, meets a punk who's playing extremely loud music on his boombox on a bus in that city in San Francisco. That sounds like it's straight from like the Star Trek 4 or 5 movie. It is, actually. <laughs> it literally was later reused, that scene that got cut in Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be the one where they go to save the whales. Right, which was co-written by the director exactly. and writer, Nicholas Meyer. It all, it all makes sense now. So, pretty cool, right? Yeah, I it's pretty that, cool. I thought that was an interesting little twist. Which one's for the voyage home? Which one's that all That's about? the one where they go back to Earth to save the whales. Yeah. And I forget why <laughs> they're saving the whales. Because it was save the Earth everything uh, back then. Right. But I thought it was cool because one of the funniest parts in that movie is when they first show up to New York and someone's flicking them off. <laughs> they think it's like how you and say hello. And they think it's how you say hello <laughs> on Earth. So they're like flicking everybody off. I was like, dude, that's so fucking funny. They did that in another movie. I just can't name it. I can't either. But I that's where I remember it from. Oh, it was Mr. Bean. Oh, yeah. He stole it. Yeah, for sure. He had to have. Um... What are some of your favorite scenes? And actually, I'm going to go first because you always go first. Hey, sorry. Um, The first, the one that I really want to talk about that I thought was kind of deep and and cool and like gave it some depth to this movie is I mentioned earlier where he was like talking to him like the future would be a utopia and socialism would be the way of the world because naturally intelligence would just grow to an extent where everybody would help everybody so that we wouldn't have any issues anymore. Well, he goes to the future and it's not like that. Mm. And so there's a scene where Jack and him meet up somewhere and I won't explain where, but he sits him down. Jack the Ripper sits him down and shows him the TV and he shows him all the war and murders and news that this is happening. And right before H.G. Wells is like, we, you've got to come back. We don't belong here. You know, we don't belong in this world. And he's like, well, sit down, sit down. I won't bite. And he shows him all this war footage and all this other stuff on the TV. And he's like, on contraire, I belong here. You don't. This is my world, because everybody is okay with murdering everyone. And it was kind of like sending a message, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I just thought it was cool, because earlier on, when they had the conversation about socialism and, like, how everybody would share everything, because that's an advanced society, fast forward to the future now, and it's like, no, no, they're not sharing anything. They're still as greedy as they always were, which is what Jack the Ripper said in the very beginning of the movie. Which I just thought was really cool. It just add that extra layer of like, I don't know. And I think they've used stuff like that in other movies, like um, The Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah. They did yeah. something very similar to that. For sure. Because, you know, he was from the film, and they did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. The bad guy with the glass eye that had the, like, weird colored eyes. Yeah, and the raincoat. Yeah, he was like, this is, this is villain world. Right. Compared to, like, action hero world where he was living. So it's very similar in that sense. Oh, for sure. I guarantee you they borrowed that from that. But, I mean, it's probably a natural description. Yeah. Of, like, you know, two different worlds. Exactly. What was one of yours? Well, one of them was what you just said. (laughs) Because, I mean, there is... There's not a lot of gore in this movie. A lot of it kind of leans heavy on the the dialogue. Right. In which they do deliver... a astonishing performance but there's there's another part where he first meets the teller who exchanges the uh, pounds for american money the first teller or the second one the girl the the girl mary's uh steenberger right and she's hitting on him hard and it's like hard hard guys i'm like she wants that d yeah she's like advancing on him like hard she's not coy about it she's on the prowl girls oh yeah she really wants it And uh, they part ways, and she's like, and they're like, "What's your name?" And this, the way that H.G. Wells, the character who plays H.G. Wells, says his name, 
Which he doesn't say H.G. Wells, obviously. Someone's like, that is so pimp. You're just so, like, <laughs> you think you're James Bond. I love it. But yeah, I, I know it's small, but that was definitely one of my favorite scenes. One of the other scenes that I liked was the end, one of the scenes where you Jack the Ripper kills somebody. I don't want to describe it too much. Okay. But there was a scene where a cop walks in and you see a hand, like a severed hand laying on the ground. And the cop throws up. When I was a kid... Like, really young. Okay. That was kind of heavy. Yeah. You know, on a TV movie. Like, I was like, ooh, that's dark. And it's weird because over the years, I kept getting confused with the New York Ripper and that one. <laughs> thinking that it was from the New York Ripper, but it was right. from time after time. And I figured that out later as I watched it again and again and again, you know, as I got older. Yeah. But yeah, I got a little confused, so I, I was looking for it. But that's pretty much it. I mean, the whole movie is really fun. It's not exactly a horror movie, but as far as Jack the Ripper goes, it's a very notable one, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. one of the most creative ones. There is another movie that we want to talk about, and I just mentioned it, which is Lucio Fulci's The New York Ripper. Now, this isn't Jack the Ripper, but it's loosely based on it. It has some of the similar tropes of Jack the Ripper in a way. Right. But more of an updated version, an Italian film trying to dress itself up like an American film, trying to dress itself up like a London film. <laughs> so it's like three degrees of Ripper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's really weird. But it came out in 1982. Like I said, it was directed by Lucio Fulci. Uh, the story is a burned-out New York police detective teams up with a college psychoanalyst to track down a vicious serial killer randomly stalking and killing various young women around the city. It stars Jack Headley, Almanta Suska, Howard Ross. And believe it or not, there's a, quite a few faces in this that you would probably see in other Lucio Fulci films, which he's pretty notorious for doing. Right. One of the guys from City of the Living Dead, one of the guys from, like, The Beyond. Like, there's just a ton of people. Which, in my opinion, is probably a smart move, because you know what they can do, what their boundaries are, you know? And they're kind of used to working with the same director, so it's probably for the best. I think so. I mean, I think it's a... I don't, I don't have any problem with it. A lot of directors end up doing that because they know how they work well with somebody and that someone will do the lines and everything that the way that they like to do it. So that's why right. they recycle them in other movies. It happens a lot. It happens all the time. Oh, yeah. But I've definitely seen far worse films in Lucio Fulci's arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Than this movie. I don't know if I should get into this right now, but the only thing I really didn't like is the dialogue gets a little cheesy from here and there. Oh, it totally does. But you kind of expect it with his films. Right. A little bit. It's a little bit more prevalent in this film, but other than that, it is a really good movie. I think so. I think it's a pretty decent movie. I, I think it's got some really good gore. It has a really good whodunit feel to it. Oh, dude, I was guessing the entire way through. Like, right. I just kept on being wrong. I was it, like, damn it. It seems a little bit more... Um, organized than most of his stuff not, oh yeah not as surreal although it does have some really weird shit in it yeah it's not as ambiguous as maybe some of his other films are yeah there's like well i mean it has a kind of sad ending in a way yeah it like, really does doesn't it, it just kind of leaves you kind of like hey what the fuck what did you do that for <laughs> What did you think, though? I mean, like... I mean, overall, it was good. Like I said, it, it, like, it's, it's great whodunit. Like, I, I was constantly like, no, it's her. No, it's him. No, it's her. No, it's him. And then right. I was just like, I don't know who the fuck it is. <laughs> just yeah, tell me already. It's got, like, a cool little whodunit thing, but they slather on a lot of sex. 
Oh, dude. I was watching this film last night, and my and wife... Gore. Yeah. My wife was sitting next to me, and she was doing work, and she was kind of glancing up at the TV once in a while, and she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I told her. You're like, like, baby, you're interrupting my jerk session. <laughs> right. You mind? I'm trying to fucking flesh one out I'm here. I'm trying to snap one out, lady. <laughs> Jesus. Who are you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? You're so high, you're just like... <laughs> What are you doing in my house? <laughs> Who are you? Jesus. But, uh, yeah, she, she called see, it. See, I would see that as a, a good opportunity to strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> and just drag you by boner up to the fucking bedroom or wherever. <laughs> just do you on this couch. <laughs> Kelly, take, take note. <laughs> so, she ended up calling it a schmutt film, which made me laugh. A schmutt? Smut. Oh, smut. smut film, yeah. Yeah. That is a sexploitative film. It's smut or, you know, or snuff. It's smut, a, snuff. It's exploitation. Yeah. It is definitely exploitation, but it's not the, like, worst exploitation film. No, there's definitely worse out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has sexploitation, it has pretty graphic scenes, like, pretty brutal. Yeah. That last scene, dude, the last kill scene is definitely... Well, I wouldn't say it was the last kill scene. Second to last kill scene was pretty brutal. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but supposedly in the UK, this movie was edited very heavily. Uh, (laughs) They weren't too fond of all the sexual or violent nature of it. Right. And they cut it down quite a bit. And from what I've heard and what Wiki says, as far as like... What's it, like a 45-minute movie? No, I don't know about that. I don't know how long it is, but I definitely know that there is not a full uncut version in the UK as it is today. Wow. So the Blue Underground one that I have on Blu-ray, I'm assuming, is fully uncut. But apparently there are some scenes in this movie that had much more gruesome, much more elaborate deaths. Really? Yeah. That went a lot further <laughs> than than it should have gone probably. Oh wow. So and I don't want to ruin that we'll talk about it and maybe some of our favorite scenes to just kind of get through this to get you guys all worked up. Juicy. <laughs> you can flick that bean right now. <laughs> there was an extended scene, uh like I said for that flat razor scene though. Oh, That's the one that it made me cringe. Dude, that was pretty brutal, man. I didn't think I was going to cringe the second time when you were watching when I came over, but it the same fucking effect happened. I was like, I just, I couldn't even look at it. Well, they do the eye thing. Yeah. The eye thing is pretty brutal. It, the eye's like moving around as he's cutting it. Ugh. <laughs> and I was like, damn. But when you see, like, there's a scene where the girl's on the bed and he cuts her all the time and he's like talking on the phone to the like police officer. And by the way, the fucking killer has a voice like, <laughs> he talks <laughs> like <laughs> Donald <laughs> Duck. And he's like, <laughs> right. Quack, 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 Everybody says he has a duck voice. Which immediately, when I think, when I hear this voice, I think of uh, another movie called Student Bodies, which is like a comedic, uh, sort of like airplane-esque style slasher movie. Okay. Because essentially what this one is, is a slasher or a black glove giallo where you don't know who the murderer is. It is like, a, yeah, it's a, kind of along those lines. Not necessarily horror, it's more of a giallo. It takes place in New York. That scene is pretty fucking worth the whole thing. Yeah. 
There's that some other alone. there's some really other cool death scenes, but the voice thing was really weird. <laughs> I don't know if I was getting into it too well, you know, but right. you really didn't know who the fuck the killer was, so I guess that was their way of covering it up. You know what I mean? Cuz you if he's talking all the time, you can't have the same voice. Well, you think in back then they probably didn't have those things that change your voice when you talk into a receiver, so you had to disguise it. Do they have those? Like what do you Yeah, you could buy them. Do you belong to a like some sort of slasher club or something? Yeah, you know. You know, I like to call people up in the middle of the night and then <laughs> snap one out while they're yelling at me. Dark. You figured passes. me out, man. It's fucking dark. There was a scene in this movie where like two people were having sex on a stage in the, like, red light district area of, like, New York. Is there a red light district? I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. I just don't know what it's called. But it's, like, where all the sex shows happen. Right. All the peep shows and all that other shit where people jerk off in the audience and shit, (laughs) squirting their mouths and whatever the fuck else. But one of the actresses in that scene, her name is Zora Korova, and she did the, the stage sex scene. Yeah. And she said that she was hired without like an, any any kind of audition. She just got hired. And she'd never worked with Lucio Fulci before. So when she got on the stage, it was like her first time actually meeting him. And I was like, okay, this is what you're wearing. Uh, you're going to have sex on the stage now. And uh, go ahead. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, uh, what? <laughs> So you just hold like like an empty hanger up. It's like this is what you're wearing. Yeah, no, because <laughs> she wasn't wearing shit. Well, she had to go to the wardrobe and get changed and shit. So I'm sure she kind of had an idea, and then they probably gave her a script, but she didn't know until she was actually there. Right. So and it was a pretty. I don't think it's even the the worst sexual scene. Yeah, I've seen worse. And she's just like riding a dude like this biracial guy. And they don't show penetration or penis or no. vagina. No, well, there's they do show like vagina muff and like a little dick. Just a little muff. There's some dick in there. Is there some dick? Yeah, I saw some dick. I got excited. You got a keen eye for that, right? Yeah, I was looking for it. <laughs> I was like, well, sometimes I do because I'm like, are they gonna show dick? You know? <laughs> Did they just show dick? <laughs> so then I save it, spank bank. Here we go. And then I go and. Clickety clack. Yeah, clickety clack. What the fuck? My my dick's not a fucking erector set. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know what I'm getting at. Anyway, um, but the fucked up thing is, is uh, she did that sex scene with the guy, and apparently he was gay. Yeah. She said that it was like really, it was, even though it was like one of the most awkward things she'd ever done in her acting career, she said that he was more upset about the scene than her hmm. and they had like a quick talk about it like and she said that they talked about it and she was like okay we can either do this several times or just do it right the first time and so they both agreed on it and went to town so was this actual sex that was being filmed or was it no no they didn't need to they didn't show any penetration so what's the point right trying to find somebody that's actually willing to penetrate without showing that this is like a stunt cock <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like her stunt gina. What do right. they call those? Stunt bean. A stunt know. slit? Stunt slit. Oh, my. <laughs> Ooh. That sounds really dirty. I'm it sorry. Does. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. I just like to be filthy. I don't know why. <laughs> but apparently, she ended up becoming friends with Lucio Fulci, and he did like to put his actors through the ringer. Like he, It wasn't that he didn't necessarily have the respect for him. But he was like, I'm paying you. This is my art. You're going to do it. 
You know what I mean? She got a lot of shit from like the press and stuff about doing it. And she never ended up doing it again. But she was like, hey, you guys aren't paying my bills. So what the fuck? Right. Like, don't tell me what I can or cannot do with my acting for someone else's art. So she took it on the chin. She was, well, not physically. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, she's. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, do you have any favorite scenes for this movie? Do you want to go first or? Yeah, I can go first. There's a scene where uh, the boyfriend is like talking about how they, he's just this like, weird dialogue. And it was like the most cringy shit. So it's not like a favorite scene necessarily, <laughs> but it is one of the most memorably, horribly awkward scenes I don't know if this is the worst awkward scene I've ever seen. There's some movies that just are awkward from start to beginning. Right. Or from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this, he's like, you have to be strong in America. You won't last. You have to stay strong and you got to fight. Because if you're not strong and you don't fight, you won't make it. You won't live. You won't, you'll, they'll eat you alive. And it was like, it's almost like, did you ever go to America? Is this, <laughs> is this like what you think it is over here? Like, if you don't hold a gun and you aim it at somebody, they'll kill you. Like, is that how people think of us even back in the 80s? I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's because we got so much news coverage. We're like a entertainment world. We, dude, we are. And then it's like a theme park in the world. It's like go to America. And then we got alternative news. It's almost like you know, like you know, when you go to Disneyland and it's like the fucking Epcot Center where it's like a small world. It's a death world after all. <laughs> People are just like throwing Molotovs and like fucking punching babies and shit. <laughs> Like, that's what it looks like to everybody outside of our fucking country. Right. But it's really not that bad, guys. I can vouch for it. <laughs> we we give each other kites and shit. <laughs> we like to run around in parks all day. But yeah, just the fact that he like went into this long fucking dialogue. It was like, shut the fuck up. Like, really? That wasn't the only cringeworthy dialogue in this oh, film. Do share. No, I'm just saying. It's, it's, it Do you have any on. other ones that you'd like to share with the class? As far as dialogue? Yeah, share with the class, Patrick. Oh, what was it? Don't be it? shy. Oh, I, no, I can't. stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the exact dialogue, but it was when uh, her her and her boyfriend are talking, and she's he's leaving the house and telling her to be careful. And he, What did she say? She's like, if anybody comes to the door, I'll bark. Right. So, like, yeah. Like, what? Even Christina was like, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> it's bad. Girls do not like this movie. I've, I've, I'm starting to understand. I think so, too. They don't see the other art. Ladies, yet. if you're listening now, uh, just off the top of my head, I think it's like Esmeralda, Samantha. What do you guys think of this movie? Like, you guys are pretty fucking laid back. So, like, what do you guys think? Anybody else? Like, any ladies? What do you, were you offended by this movie? Have you seen this movie? If you haven't seen this movie, watch it. Come back, tell us what you think. But I think, you know, other than the death scenes that we kind of already mentioned, I mean, I think it's a good movie. It's not my favorite of the three. No. But we can put it in the middle, have a nice shit sandwich. Right. <laughs> we gotta have that big healthy turd in the center. <laughs> it's not a turd. I'm not saying it's a turd, but it's the filler. It's. I like the movie a lot. I just... Oh, there's tons of stuff I've the seen I like. so many worse Fulci films than this. And I think it's a good overall film. Oh, oh, for sure. Like I said, I was, I had me constantly guessing. Probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is that there's a scene, like Alex was talking about earlier, where these people are having sex on stage. 
Right. And when this actress gets off stage and goes back to her dressing room, it's just it's set up very cool. The I lighting mean, and the, everything. The lighting's off and it's it's green. It very it feels very much like Suspiria with the coloring. Yeah, it really kind of did have that feel. It did. It and, was the same chick, and she said that she enjoyed that death scene, doing the death scene a lot more. She didn't even know he was going to stab her in the stomach with that fake glass. It wasn't the stomach, my friend. Where was it? It was straight in the cooter. Oh, uh, was it? It was in the cooter. Why you gonna say cooter, dude? Cooter pussy. Oh, don't even. You're making it worse now. <laughs> uh. Vagina. Vagina. God, Patrick. And her. You're her, a fucking man. And her vajayjay. All right. <laughs> but it was a good scene. It, color was great. Everything about it was spot on. And with that said, we're going to move on to our last movie since we're running out of time here, guys. Um, trying to keep this within an hour, so we're trying to keep an eye on the clock. But there is another movie we watched, and it's almost like we went in chronological order. So right. this one was called From Hell. And it came out in 2001. It is essentially in Victorian era London. A troubled clairvoyant police detective played by Johnny Depp. Right. Investigates the murders by Jack the Ripper. That's essentially what it is. You got Johnny Depp, Heather Graham, and Ian Holm, who I love, by the way. Well, that, yeah, I'm just saying the casting was great except for that girl. I didn't really... You didn't like her? I didn't like her. Yeah, she kind of felt a little futuristic. Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like she felt like she fell into the scenes. It didn't feel like she belonged in that time yeah, period. I don't have any problem with her as an actor, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. It didn't... She kind of like... She was supposed to be a more modern woman of the 1888, ten, you know, time. Right, and she didn't feel like she belonged there at all. Yeah. The love interest didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, it was kind of flimsy. But this is a movie that was directed by the Hugh Brothers... Uh, they did Menace to Society, Dead Presidents, and The Book of Eli. Like I said, Johnny Depp's in the film. If you don't know what other movies he's done, there's probably something wrong with you, and you should stop being stupid. <laughs> Johnny Depp is, like, on everything. He still I mean? owes me eight fifty for the fucking Willy Wonka movie he did. <laughs> Heather Graham, she's been in a ton of other movies, but I really kind of want to focus on Ian Holm. He did Alien, The Fifth Element, he did a couple of Cronenberg films, which I fucking love. The Naked Lunch, Existence, which was a really weird part for him. He was also in the movie Kafka, which was, it's not a Cronenberg film, but it felt very, uh, very similar in that sense. It's based off Very, like, Kafka, abstract. The, and the, very... the writer. Right. About turning into a beetle, but, like, in a more metaphorical sort of symbol sim, symbology sort of way. Right. But it was kind of, it was in black and white. It was pretty good, though. Huh. He was also, uh, he's just, he, well, let's just say he's been in a lot of fucking movies, guys. He has, he's very well thought after by a lot of really good directors because he's just an amazing, very, I don't know, serious actor. He pours his, he pours his whole self into any role that he's in. I really love him, man. Like, he is, and he's like 85 now. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen him in a lot of movies, but, you know, I always remember him from Naked Lunch and Existence, and I think he did a couple, one other fucking Cronenberg uh, film, but... Yeah, I really wish they would have brought him back for the second Aliens film, whatever. Right. I think he was good in that, too. Oh, dude, the way he acts when he freaks out and all the milk starts pouring out of him, it's, just, it's so great. Right. I don't think that's him. Yeah, it is. Maybe you're right. That's right. Because Bishop is the android in the second one. Right. He's not in the first one. I got a little confused between the two. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Whatever. 
if Patrick says he's right, you can blame him. I'm right. He was the android and alien. It's so. been a little while, and we're supposed to rewatch some of those, so it has been probably like three, four years since I've watched those movies. I probably watched it like last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good on you, you fucking asshole. I love aliens, guys. <laughs> it's like my favorite trilogy. But, what do you think of this movie? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that could have been done better. But other than that, it, all around, it was a, a well-rounded story. Yeah, I think so. I think I was a little bit surprised. I, I told you I got a little confused with it in ninth, the Ninth Gate. Right. Which I always remember watching and enjoying, and then all of a sudden it just jumps the fucking... You get the blue balls at the end. Yeah, well, it's not even the blue balls. It just does something. I was just like, fuck you, dude. Right. Like, like, like contact. And, I, and it's funny because it always lures me in, probably because I get confused between the two. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> uh, making jerk-off noises or... Two hands, like I've got two dicks. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, just something about it. The Ninth Gate sucked. But this one, I felt like it had a really cool vibe to it in a way. Like it's got its period piece sort of style. Yeah. It has some pretty brutal graphic gore in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it's like unyielding, but it's done in that Victorian era style. Uh, I thought. Johnny Depp did a pretty good job. He did a good job. I yeah. think he was pretty fun, uh, a cool character, almost like a um, Gonzo journalist sort of uh, he inspector. De- he definitely felt like a poet, you know. Right? A- yeah, very right. much so. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, there was just a couple of things that didn't feel right about it. As a whole, it is a good movie. It just needed a little refinement. Maybe it needed to be a little bit darker. Maybe they didn't need to go so stylized. Right. Maybe they should have picked a couple of different actors, but those two main actors are the only thing that matters in this movie. Right. And they do drive it home. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I enjoy it. Good movie. It's got like a lot of different elements. It actually delves a little bit deeper, and I don't mean to compare it to this, but if you guys have ever seen the producer's cut of Halloween 666, it reminds me elements of that. Almost really? like, um, because Michael was like forced to be evil in a way. Hmm. They use like runes and they like made him to be the second Satan coming. That and... was the Halloween movie that they advertised all over TV and then never made it to the theaters. Uh, I don't so know. I remember what you're seeing about. trailers for it, but I never remember. Halloween actually... 6 is with what's his name who plays Ant Man? Uh, Rudd. Paul, Ru- uh, Paul Rudd. Paul yeah. Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd, one of his earlier movies, he looked like a rebel teen. He was the kid, he was Tommy across the street. Oh. When, from the first Halloween, right. who saw, like, remember when she was babysitting? Yeah. She was babysitting Tommy and that girl. Yeah. That was Tommy, and that was number six. But the producer's cut, while it's not, I don't really consider it to be part of the whole Halloween thing. Trilogy. But right. it, it just goes into this, no, not trilogy. Yeah, yeah it'd be like more the, than that. Into the whole series. Like, I feel like it's still kind of interesting to see a different spin on it even though it got cut, like it goes on into this like weird, like satanic shit. And From Hell actually does a little bit of that in this movie. Yeah. They get into the whole Mason, Mason uh, Freemasons. Free yeah. Uh, they get into Satanism. They kind of make him into this sort of supernatural character. In which you kind of, like, I was kind of talking to you about that, and I didn't know that that, I, I kind of had a, a hunch, but right. you kind of solidified that for me that... There is a point in this film where you see this character change right, in a certain way. I'm not going to tell you how, but he, he just becomes a different person. Well, it's almost like he's possessed. Right. And, and I don't want to spoil things for you guys, but this is an interesting subject to talk about. 
So if you don't want this ruined, you may not want to listen to this part and then just come back in like five minutes or something. <laughs> but I really think like it's the story is so uh, weird because you see Jack the Ripper going around killing people in these brutal ways. He gives them grapes. He feeds them laudanum, which makes them calm. So well, they- he puts the in the absence. He puts the laudanum. Yeah. He puts laudanum in there so that they chill out and kind of space out a little bit right before he fucking rips their throats so they can't scream. And then he starts stealing organs like vaginas. vaginas. <laughs> genitals. Show genitals. Me, show me your genitals. Your genitalia. Show me your genitals. Genitalia! Uh, yeah, but no, yeah. I mean, it's dark. I don't really, first of all, I've always said, I've said this in a lot of things, like, I'm not a huge period piece kind of person. Right. Like, I can get into it, but it just doesn't connect with me on a horror level, but as a story, it's cool. I don't get scared by it. Right. Like, maybe they could do it in a way that would be just creepy as fuck, but typically when they do period pieces, it becomes this, like, art house. Right. Like, I don't know. Well, they, and then you could tell that they were kind of like... I don't want to say it was like Oscar bait because it wasn't. No. But it's just like, you know, like they wanted to kind of make it that prestigious kind of way. Well, yeah, they were definitely setting up the pretty shots. And coming from the guys who did Menace to Society. So it's kind of weird. It's got a lot of, you just would not expect this from that director. But I think it's cool because Ian Holm does a really good role because there's a, a scene where his eyes go black. You find out after a while that Jack the Ripper is Ian Holm, who's been helping this inspector, Johnny Depp, and it's almost like he doesn't know that he's the killer. So that's why I assume that Ian Holm's character gets possessed and does these murders, because not only does he have a different voice, like he's got a little bit more supernatural powers, he's like carving up people, and he's and like somehow the Freemasons don't know about it, or do they know about it? They do know about it, but they didn't know that they were gonna that he was gonna take it that far. Yeah, he's making too much of a mess. They right. wanted to clean up the streets. Well, they wanted to cover up a killing... certain a certain incident that happened. They were trying to cover up. Right and after he did those initial kills to cover this whole incident up, he got carried away with it. Okay, see, there's my disconnect because I was so hung up on the supernatural part. Okay. So, I, because I thought in a way, like, maybe they didn't know, and then, like, because there's a scene in the movie where he's, like, talking to the Freemasons, he just appears, like, while he's killing somebody, he just, like, suddenly appears and snaps out of it, and they all cheer because of his gore. I think that was, if because if you remember him talking about what happened to him in the past, that he had, he hadn't been working in a while because he had a... Uh, a stroke. So I'm thinking that was kind of stroke was the possession, dude. I'm thinking that whole thing where he he goes to the the operating room or the theater or whatever you want to call it is in his head. Like he's imagining that that he's so far gone. Maybe maybe you're right because it was really surreal, right? Because it's like then they're like you're causing too much problems. We can't have you. And he's like, you don't get to judge me. You are of not any stature to judge my artwork. Right. And then the next thing you know, he's in court and the judge is like found guilty. And he's like smacking that gavel. Mm-hmm. And as he's smacking the gavel, he's they're sticking the lobotomy tools on the side of his head. Yeah. With, like, think 
with each pound. And I thought that was so fucking beautiful. Yeah, the editing was just Dude, spot on. that was so fucking great, man. Right. I was like, and and this is something I might have to end up buying because Oh yeah, did you know that it the deserves special... a little bit more explanation. You get on that right quick because the special edition is going for like $44. Are you, you serious? You can buy the regular Blu-ray that has no special features on it or you can get the 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 limited edition special edition which is like $45. Because I, I looked, so I was going to buy it. Oh, wow. It's kind of pricey. It is. I don't know if I want to buy it, but I kind of am interested. Yeah. Kind of curious. I would kind of like to see those extra features. To give you guys a little bit of uh, trivia on this, because we got to wrap this shit up, put a bow on it, and fuck the shit out of it. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of... They took a lot of care uh, with this movie. And you can tell, like, there's some layers to this movie that you could maybe interpret something a certain way. Like, just as me and you had two totally different experiences in a way. Right. Let's me know that there's more layers to this than... It, it's it's an engaging movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said that in order to pr- reproduce the actual sites of the Ripper murders, they had illustrations and actual photographs from, the ni- from 1888 that were used. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, I thought that the girls that died, all the hookers, or the... What do they call them? Oh, man. What do they call them? They call them uh, non-something or whatever. I heard one of them call them some kind of like hoppatail or... Not co- non-competes or non... Right. I can't remember. But anyway, they used real photographs, and I thought their faces looked like kind of like dolls. Mm-hmm. But I guess those were real... No shit. Real pictures, dude. So, But there was a lot of similar care that was used to reproduce the wounds inflicted upon the Ripper's victims. So they used verbatim, like the picture to try to make the yeah moves. like as what the slashes were on right victims That's and cool. the actual ripper murders were a lot longer they happened for a lot longer span than the time frame of the movie because it's like a week or two right kind of it kind of jumps around a little bit but and it's the, it's like a week <laughs> yeah and the ripper only actually killed like what eight, i think it was like eight people eight yeah. people yeah that's kind of like the misconception of um it gains where, like, they think he killed all these fucking people. He really just dug up bodies. Ed Gein, yeah. He dug up bodies and made nipple belts and <laughs> skull cereal bowls. I mean, that's it. Um, the Hugh brothers originally wanted Daniel Day-Lewis to play the lead role, but it fell through somehow, I guess. And then they interviewed Sean Connery, Jude Law, and Brad Pitt, even, before they ended up settling on Johnny Depp. I think Brad Pitt might have been able to pull it off. But not as good as Johnny Depp did. I don't know. It just he has a little more poeticness to him. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't know. Sean Connery might have been a little too old. Yeah. Jude Law, maybe. Jude Law, yeah. I'm going with Jude Law. I mean, they seem like all decent picks, but Sean Connery's like the oddball of them all. Right. I love Sean Connery, and he's not acting anymore. But maybe uh, as a ripper. Right. And like I was saying, I I I mentioned in the um, New York Ripper, this movie was based off. From Hell was based off of graphic novel by Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell. Uh, and while some of the scenes are straight out of the comic, the approach is entirely different. Right. So the comic's not as a mystery so much as they made it in the movie, but it follows the killer throughout only considering Inspector Aberlein and a few chapters in the second half. So they didn't really put him in there. Hmm. Um, the psychic is a separate character in the book, actually. So they kind of combine two characters. To kind of try to make it interesting or throw right. maybe throw some of the fans of the comic book off. I don't know. And it also admits that the first few pages that his visions are imaginary. Hmm. 
so that the psychic doesn't really actually have psychic powers. He's right. Just, he just trips out. Right. <laughs> so maybe it's just like him thinking who it might be or something like that. Right. Which, to be honest, I think it's a cooler that he did have visions and that he was an inspector and also a psychic right. who's trying to battle with his craziness by and drinking. And his drug addiction. Yeah, yeah, right. I thought that was... I mean, it does make for an interesting story in the movie, I'm saying. I haven't read the comics, but maybe I'll check them out. Yeah. It might be cool. Some of the favorite scenes, I want to go over that real quick before we end it. And then we'll call it quits. Uh, what I was saying about the gavel hammer. Yeah, right. He's being lobotomized. Why he's being lobotomized on three parts of his head. Yeah. If you notice at the very end of the movie, and the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, his eyes aren't black anymore. Because halfway through the movies, his eyes turn black. Right. Ian Holmes' character. But at the very end, after he's been lobotomized, it's almost like the demon left him. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like the Freemasons were dabbling in Satanism of some sort, some sort of a cult. And maybe that's what they were trying to pin. But I thought that was just seriously one of my favorite things about the movie. Well, they definitely had to be dabbling in witchcraft because I do mention the, the symbol is somewhat of a pinnacle. Right. And there's like these all these rituals and stuff. But right. I don't know that it necessarily was religious based. Right. Freemasons are like completely, it's, it's like a completely different thing. Yeah. But they use some of the real ceremonies, and they actually have, like, some of the words. They use the words and, like, ceremony in it. So it's pretty interesting that way. What about you? What was your other favorite scene? I want to hear your other one. Oh, the carriage wreck scene. Oh, dude. Oh, man, it's so dude, good. Dude, that's fucking great. Oh, the guy in the wheel? Yeah, Johnny Depp is getting kidnapped in a carriage, and Johnny Depp kicks this guy out the window, and he's, like, hanging out the window, and he starts to fall back, and like his face hits the fucking wheels and the spokes. Yeah, yeah the spokes like are and just it's just ripping like his face. It's just like punching his face and like ripping <laughs> off his face. And then the fucking carriage turns over on the side that he's well, leaning under. Right, because the wheel comes off from his face hitting it right, so much. It like the wheel loosened pops it. Off. Yeah, right. And then it just starts dragging his body, and you see his head bouncing on the cobblestone, dude. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is amazing. It's the slowest wreck ever I've ever seen. Right. But the just cool. I was it like, was really fuck cool. yeah, dude. I mean, aside from, you know, removing people's vaginas and stuff. <laughs> wasn't really my favorite scene there, but the cobblestone face man... It was great. Yeah, he filled in all the pox with <laughs> all like the all of his, yeah, all all of his like you know missing stone, his like face and jaw and shit are now buried deep into the cobblestone. Uh, deep, deep. So what about uh, you? Uh, probably most of my favorite scenes is first time you see Jack the Ripper kill somebody, and you, just to give you guys something, you don't see anything, which is probably one of my favorite parts of it. She pulls this hooker off the street into the darkness, and all you see is just the knife. Right. And just him stabbing her. They did and a good it, job of that. It, it's, it looked really cool. That's one of my favorite scenes. And my other favorite scene, I would have to say, is when he's talking to his, uh, when Jack the Ripper is talking to this guy that helps him collect these hookers. And he's trying to tell him the way of the world and how it is. Right. And it, and it's just such a dark speech that it just like I could take that sound clip, throw well, it in a song. The thing that amazing. blows me away in this movie though about that is like, first of all, people are dying on the street. Wouldn't you be suspect of everyone that you meet? Right. Especially someone that has fucking grapes that apparently nobody eats grapes in this town. 
It's not. It was like back in a time when grapes were like they big? were like yeah they were like the fancy food right yeah I guess England didn't have shit like that <laughs> right. I, I don't fucking know it's like they're like wait you've got pizza <laughs> in London you got pizza like that's the updated version <laughs> right <laughs> but it's like dude bitch what are you doing don't get in the fucking cart like don't go. he's obviously creepy do you not get the vibe you talk to people all the time you know uh, their state of mind like what are you doing this guy's creepy his voice is creepy not only is that but his carriage is fucking creepy as fuck right yeah it's got this like every time that like the footstool comes down it's like <laughs> right it's like <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of cool. And the lanterns on the side, they got the green glass, so it looks like green flames coming off of it. It's just creepy. Pretty cool, though. Yeah. Another cool scene is, like, every time they show the fucking, uh, the record player and that song that they're playing on it, it just, it's just so creepy cool. Oh, they, uh, yeah, every time he's in the, um, chasing the dragon. Right. And he's in the fucking opium den, and he's, like, fucking, every time the music will come out of the fucking, uh, what do you call him? Oh man, is it xylophone? No, no xylophone is the fucking ding 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 ding. What the fucking? Uh, uh, phonograph. Phonograph, some sort, and it's like a record player with the fucking huge trumpet on the end. Right. And you see the music come out. And it slowly pans out, and then he's like puffing and zooming out. Like it's like it's like <laughs> like sixties style. Like woo. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was cool too. Yeah. Everything about this movie, it, it, it's fun. I it's mean, not a really amazing movie, but there's something to it that I definitely feel like I've not given it enough credit for now. So it has moved its way up. Right. After watching it again, it's there is some flaws to it. It does have some weird pacing. It does have some unnecessary fucking... Characters. Forced love interest yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Like, it was a nice attempt. But it didn't. Right. It just didn't fit. Valiant. Like, valiant effort. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it just didn't fit in my opinion. Yeah. I just Heather Graham didn't. I'm sorry. Heather. Well, not only Heather Graham, but his lackey, uh, the inspector's lackey. I also think. Oh, I liked him. I liked him, but I also I didn't think he fit in the film. It felt a little forced. It didn't. It didn't. Like by the end of the movie, you can feel the camaraderie, but in the beginning, it just didn't feel right. Right. Like, they didn't feel like Buddy, you know, like, right. like, hey, I'm looking out for you, little fella. <laughs> you fucking crazy opium den fucking bastard. Hey, get your flapper ass out of there. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I, I think it was an okay movie. Uh, I still think Time After Time is still... Out of the three? It's a classic. I, I That's right behind From Hell for me. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, oh, you're saying From Hell's the best. Yeah, out of all the three, I think it was the best, but I, I really enjoyed Time and Time Again. I love that movie. I don't know why. Uh, right. But I definitely feel like From Hell is definitely raised up, like I said, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, I think that's it for Shadow of the Ripper. Ooh. Yeah, what did you guys think? Have you seen these movies? Like, which one do you think sounds the best to you? If you've seen these movies, which one is your favorite? If you haven't seen these movies, come back and let us know what you think. We love it when you guys hit us up in the chat or in private message or whatever. It just, it really means a lot to us. Oh, for sure. And if there's like a Ripper movie we may, we may have missed, let us know. Right. And if you've made it this far, 
Be sure to share this episode with your friends so that we can get the word out there. The more people we get listening, the more contests, the more everything that we do. Uh, we really love this shit, man. I think we're 38 episodes in now. Um, we're pretty much here we're to stay. We're not tired of this shit yet. No, it, got, it is a lot of work. It is. And there's a lot of frustration involved. Especially when you spend so much time each week to do this, and it's like you want to see it do really well. You just want to see the fruits of your labor, right? You know? Well, it's just I put uh, we put so much love and care into this. It's just I don't know. We hope it, it it conveys that way to you guys, and we really appreciate that you're here. So thank you so much for showing up, and I guess we'll see you next Monday for a brand new episode of part one, and then we'll do part two on Thursday. So just don't forget, right? Guys, stay tuned. If you haven't already, check out longlivethevoid.com. But we'll see you next Monday, guys. Yeah, have a safe weekend. Tune in every Monday for a brand new